Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today. Uh, It's going to be a great show. We have several uh, guests that are going to be very interesting. We're going to span the topics from everything from from business, marketing, creating business plans to uh, creating a better life for yourself and your family after your exit. A wide variety of topics as usual today. So let's get started. Our first guest is Tim Gloa and he's joining us from Bug Insights. Now, Tim is a co-founder. His his uh, partner, uh, Gary Spinks, was with us uh, oh, about a month ago, I think. And uh, a very interesting interview, very interesting company. Bug Insights is a marketing and human capital analytics company that provides prescriptive analytics to help organizations make better business decisions. And we're going to talk about Tim's book, Measuring Customer Satisfaction, Exploring Customer Satisfaction's Relationship with purchase behavior. So we're going to line it all up and let's get started. Tim, welcome to the show. Hi, Bill. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us today, Tim. Hey, before we get into this, could you give us a little bit about uh, your background, uh, a minute or two about your background and and how you got to uh, the point where you started Bug Insights? Sure. So I've been working in the the field of human capital and, and marketing analytics for about 20 years now. Um, and we really, in, in that background, I really started to learn how important it is to really understand your, your customer. And a lot of times in marketing, we're thinking that as a, as a traditional buyer of your products or services. And in HR, we also think, uh, or we, we encourage organizations to think of customers, in many cases, as their employees, because they're consumers of benefits and consumers of rewards. So we really want to deeply understand what these types of folks are looking for and how we might be able to design and deliver products and services that, that meet their needs. And I've been doing this now for, for 20 years. Uh, with my partner, Gary, we decided uh, earlier this year that we wanted to, to start a new company. We launched Bug Insights, and that's that's where we are today. Well, it's it's uh, an interesting uh, alignment of of figuring out what the customer wants and then giving it to them, but going in more detail, how does Bug Insights go beyond traditional? You know, you would think uh, every business wants to know what their customer's thinking. How does Bug Insights go mm-hmm. beyond traditional thinking? Well, if we ask, if we, if we think in any purchase decision, you can just even re- relate back to, to your own decisions, Bill, the, you know, what you're looking for. If we were to ask you what's most important, about any purchase decision, you'll likely tell us that everything is, right? If you're in the market for a car or a computer or an airline ticket, uh, buying a new TV, whatever it is, price is going to be important, right? The, the, the features are going to be important. The warranty is going to be important. Everything's going to be important. If we were asked people to describe the, the ideal car, um, it would be something that has a really high performance, uh, you know, great warranty, safety, it looks good. And it costs almost nothing. So people, in many cases, would describe a $10,000 Ferrari, right? That's just not actionable. We can't deliver. Mm-hmm. Organizations right. can't deliver all of those different products and services. So we want to be responsive 
to customer needs, right, as we're designing products. We, we want to address their needs. We also have to do so in a little bit more thoughtful and intelligent way. We have to make sure that we can align the needs and the interests of, of the customer with, with our needs as an organization. We have to make sure we're delivering products and services that are kind of profitable and, and, and also addressing customer needs. So I think that's where, where we come in. We, we use a different methodology than just regular survey questions where everything becomes important. We use a, a trade-off methodology. Um, it's called conjoint, uh, and it measures preferences for different types of options for different features. We can then really understand, well, what are the drivers that are, that are most important and how sensitive and receptive to change might people be? And and you we talk you talk a lot about the customer satisfaction um, model and uh, why does that why does it matter so much uh, customer satisfaction these days? Well, we have to keep customers satisfied. Um, every business knows that whether it's a mom and pop little convenience store or whether it's a, a major global airline, keeping customers satisfied. Uh, is going to result in more of those customers coming back. Satisfied, you can find any statistics. Satisfied customers are four times as likely to purchase from you again. They're five times as likely to recommend you uh, your services or your product to a friend or family member. So we know that keeping customers satisfied is, is very important. The challenge, though, is, is how do you know what to focus on? Uh, how do you know where you want to place more of your your focus on servicing customers and where might you be overspending and and perhaps that you can tailor that back a little bit. There's a lot of different surveys that that organizations can look at that will identify the statistical drivers of customer satisfaction. Um, You know, just identifying what are the things that have the biggest relationship in keeping customers satisfied. But in many cases, that's that's not the right way to go because we we ignore the cost of delivering those different improvements. And I think that's where, you know, that's kind of been the missing piece in all the customer satisfaction measurement that's been done for many years is, is we can identify statistically, these are the biggest drivers of satisfaction, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those are the ones we should focus on. We mm-hmm. might be able to get more return from investing in some, some other things that perhaps cost less, but per, deliver a disproportionate amount of value to customers. And, and uh, so if if I'm understanding correctly, uh, Tim, we're talking about breaking down the customer's expectations about different attributes as you talk about, and then, uh, and then mm-hmm. there's satisfaction in each of those attributes and then kind of creating a measuring stick to say, well, this one, this expectation is much more important to satisfy than these other expectations, so it's really, really getting into it and quantifying things on a deep level. Is that right? That, that's it. In fact, it's even a little bit more than that. Um, we know if we're thinking about something like financial services and, and credit cards, um, that if you have a problem with your credit card, uh, so typically the way those organizations measure customer satisfaction is they'll look at a range of different features from call center support to how quickly they answer the phones and uh, accuracy of bills and all those other things. And, and they'll be able to identify which of those has the biggest statistical um, likelihood of in, improving customer satisfaction. And that's, that's good and useful, but it doesn't go the full way. If we were to look and say, what, what we do is a little bit different. We, we really want to understand, well, what if you actually made a very specific tactical change in, in the way you serviced customers? So for instance, what if we asked 
if your um, you know if your call center is available uh, today, it might be open until midnight, you know, 6 a.m. until midnight. What if we were to to change that and, and have it open 24 24/7, right? And what if today the mm-hmm. typical response time to answer a call is is one or two minutes? What if we were to change that to to 15 seconds or less, so that we can get a very very specific, tangible a uh, very specific and tangible understanding of the, the, the different satisfaction elements, right? We can understand people's preferences and their sensitivity to that. Then on the back end, we can estimate the cost of making that improvement. And that's, I think, where we can really start to look at identifying some, some the, the return for making different mm-hmm. enhancements. It might cost a tremendous amount of money to keep the call center open 24 hours a day. Um, you have to hire more staff. I mean, there, there's, there's, you, we understand that there's a cost associated with that. It may be more practical just to, to, to get a few extra peop, a few extra bodies in, and then have the response time go down a little bit. Instead of having a minute wait time, it's now going down to, to 15 seconds or 20 seconds, and that might, that might deliver even more value for the customer for perhaps a lower cost. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like to me like the the crux of all this would be doing uh, detailed surveys with uh, with customers. Is that is that the bottom line to this? Is to get their feedback? Is that state of the art today? Is doing uh, uh, surveys or is it focus groups or what? Where do you guys uh, put it all together? Yeah, it's focus groups are very good for for understanding why people believe what they do or or why they're satisfied and why they're not, but. We have to go beyond focus groups here. We really do need to look at some some quantitative surveys, um, and that's typically what, what we offer is a you know a very short, engaging survey. It, it takes people five or ten minutes to complete it, and then we'll combine the, that preference data, right? The the preference data for different levels of of satisfaction, and we'll combine that with a cost of delivering that satisfaction from the organization's perspective, so that we can come up with what really is an optimal level of satisfaction, one that aligns the needs of the customer, right, for, for getting more service with the needs of the organization um, to optimize their return. In many cases, what we found is that about 10 to 15% of the spend that organizations put forth uh, as it relates to servicing customers is wasted by giving people things they don't value or appreciate. Let's figure out where we're wasting money and let's reinvest it in things that deliver more value for customers. We're really looking at a win-win. Organizations can save money, and customers are more satisfied. Well, that's a, that's great. Uh, that's a great service. And uh, there's been a lot of talk about the importance of uh, having this type of work done, and to be able to prove it out. Especially for a lot of our listeners, Tim, that are age 50 plus, they're thinking about how do I create additional value and and uh, demonstrate that value to a buyer. Uh, and the net promoter score has been something that's talked about a lot, but that doesn't go very deep into what you're talking about. I guess the net promoter score might be a, a starting point. And for listeners, that's just basically asking all of your customers, how likely is it that you would come back and either refer us to someone else or work with us again, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's right. I mean, it's it's a very, it's called the one number you need to grow for a reason, right? It's it, it's It's attractive in its simplicity. And if an organization today is is not measuring satisfaction at all, that's probably a good place to start. And that's I think that's one of the things I always encourage companies that we work with uh, to to start doing is let's get some data, start doing something. 
Yeah. And starting with yeah. the net promoter score is, is, is absolutely better than nothing. I think, and then monitoring that over time, right, is, is also very important so that you can see if you make a change, right, if you improve your, the, the hours of your operation or the responsiveness uh, of your salespeople to customers or whatever it is, if you make a very conscious decision to make an improvement, a very specific improvement, you can then monitor, right, the change in, in net promoter score over time and, and see if it moves up or if it moves down. The problem, I think, that, that a lot of leaders are also finding with the net promoter score and why, why so many are kind of getting a little bit disillusioned with it is that it, it only really does scratch the surface. It, it doesn't right. tell you what the drivers um, of satisfaction are. Um, it, we really don't know how you can prove it. And there's also no link to cost or optimization. So I think it's better than, absolutely better than doing nothing, but I think there's still a, a lot more that organizations can do today. Well, yeah, getting getting your score uh, is one thing. Improving your score and working on it, and especially for, you know, we, we talk with a lot of people who say in the next five years, I need to really grow the value of my business so that I can sell it for what I need to sell it for or, or transition out and just know it's in better shape. Mm-hmm. And so the starting mm-hmm. point of, of, of it would be initial benchmark to get a net promoter score from all your customers' feedback but then you you got mm-hmm. the the work of improving upon that, and that's where you guys come in. That's where we come in, and and it's you know a lot of this just just makes conceptual sense too. We we know that it's harder uh, and costs more in terms of time and money to acquire a customer than it does to retain one, right? So how can we in you know one of the, the even further advances is if we start to rather than looking at it, it certainly does this doesn't apply to every organization. Um, it, you know, if it's in a mass environment uh, where you're looking at airlines or, or cars or something like that, you sort of have to design and improve satisfaction for the masses or for particular segments. But we're also seeing a lot of, of um, you know, even in B2B space where we can help organizations or even in some of the B2C spaces as well where we can really start to identify and rather than look at this at the aggregate, we can really start to identify and look at this at the individual customer level. Right? And if we have some flexibility in, in tailoring products now to the individual customer, um, we can really start to optimize that at the individual level. So even something as simple as, as a utility company, um, if we have some data on customer satisfaction uh, and what customers are looking for, how sensitive to, to, to wait times they might be or sensitive to fees they might be, we can load that into their CRM system and then have a really good understanding when that customer reaches out to us, when Frank Smith kind of pops up on our phone and we, we can look up his phone number and see, well, these are the three big things that are most important to Frank Smith. Really focus that. Focus your, the attention of your call on addressing these three things. Ignore these other three things down here. Those aren't really all that important to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can really start to, to recognize some pretty significant returns when we start to look at this from a, from a customized basis. Mm-hmm. So what? Uh, so you mentioned a few different uh, customer-centric types of businesses, like airlines and things like that. Uh, what What does a typical profile of a client look like, or is there such a thing? So I would think that uh, most of our clients are are probably those that have several hundred, uh, upwards to several thousand employees, um, that they typically are. are 
really customer focused, right? They really do need to they have many customers, right? It's not, um, and many of these customers are uh, ideally faced with a lot of choices. There's high competition for, for customers. So making sure that we can uh, retain customers is, is, is absolutely critical. Typically, though, if you're going to engage with a, a consultant, um, you're going to be a little bit larger of, a, of an organization. Sure, that, make, that makes absolute sense. Although, you know, for smaller companies that want to get big, it's a way to get it, to make a difference and differentiate yourself as well. And you got to pay really close attention to your customer satisfaction. So let's talk about your book, um, measuring customer satisfaction. Who should read it, and, and what do they get out of it? So I think if you're if you're interested in understanding uh, the importance of customer satisfaction um, for for really any business, you'll you'll get something out of my book. You know, I, I, I present it in, in, I think, a pretty easy-to-understand format. I, I give a lot of tips on how organizations can uh, can even start today and, and start to measure satisfaction. I, I explain a lot about what works and what doesn't work. One of the things that you mentioned earlier on the call, Bill, is, is expectations. And, and for a while, that was really the big focus of uh, customer satisfaction measurement. Did we exceed people's expectations? We started to understand that that really doesn't have any correlation or any linkage to, to behavior, right? You're not more or less likely to purchase again if your expectations are just kind of met or if they're exceeded. And that applies to a lot of kind of routine transactions, in many cases like an airline. An airline would have to go out of their way to really exceed my expectations when I'm flying every single week. But if they kind of just meet it, then I'm okay. I'm kind of happy. So I think I, mm-hmm. in the book I really – outline and, and talk about a lot of the historical elements of customer satisfaction and how it's been measured, and also identify some of the things that you may not really want to focus on. And then I start to present a different approach, a way that you can make this data more prescriptive and, and, and less descriptive and ultimately more actionable and drive some business results. So anyone who really wants to understand and go deep on, on satisfying customers and understanding that it's not just uh, – it's sometimes surface level issues. It's you have to dig deep sometimes, and that's what Bug Insights uh, does. Tim, tell tell our listeners a little bit about the 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 name of the company, Bug Insights. <laughs> well, we we, uh, we really think that that uh, you know if we look anywhere in our offices today, there's probably a little bug sitting on the wall that if they really understood everything uh, about uh, is really observant and can really understand um, almost like the flies on the wall. If we sit around our kitchen table and we're talking about what sort of car we wanted to buy or, or where we should go for vacation or whatever, those little bugs have a ton of insight if they were just that little fly on the wall. And that's really what we want to be. We want to help organizations be, um, be, that, be that little bug that's an insight. Kind of the, from a bug's eye view kind of, a, kind a bug's of an eye idea, view. right? Well, I like it a lot. I, I love what you guys are doing, and I think it's very important for our listeners. And uh, uh, so your book is available on Amazon, right? It's available on Amazon. It's available at the iBookstore. It's available at Barnes & Noble. Um, it's available from Chapters, if you're in Canada, from, from really all the major book, uh, online bookstores. But to learn more about your company, people should probably come to your website, which is buginsights.com, Correct. That's right, buginsights.com. 
And if one of our listeners is just saying, you know, I, I'm not, I have a couple questions. Can they call you, or who should they contact, and how do they yeah, get in touch I, with you? I, absolutely. My my contact information is on on our website. Um, you can send an okay. email to info at buginsights.com. That'll come to me as well. Our phone number is on the website, so if they have any questions, they can certainly reach out to me. It's it's pretty simple, listeners. If you want to get detailed, you want to get find out that net promoter score and then improve upon it. You, you really need to do some have someone do some detailed analysis, and that's where Bug Insights comes in. And again, I would encourage everyone to 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 uh, buy the book or uh, at least go on the website and check out what Bug Insights does. And Tim, I thank you and thank you, thank Gary for joining us earlier. His his interviews on our archives as well, the audio library. But Tim Glow, thanks very much for joining us this morning. Very interesting, and uh, I wish you the best of luck. Appreciate it, Bill. Thank you so much. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this message. So please stay tuned. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com, the information station for age 50-plus business owners, where we're interviewing top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 